This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Amy Garcia is the CMO at Podgroup. Podgroup aims to bring the Internet of Things, IoT, connectivity to the world, enhancing industry and everyday life alike for years to come. Their philosophy is to support the people behind the Internet of Things, the developers, distributors, innovators, helping to build the largest ever communications network. Amy Garcia, welcome to ClientSide. Thank you for inviting me, Nathan. Absolutely. Pleasure having you on the show. You you get your MA in modern languages from Exeter University in 1997. What did you think you were going to do with your career at that time? Yeah, I honestly wasn't sure. Um, I, I've always enjoyed writing. And initially, I wanted to go into journalism. Um, but then I found my way into tech PR um, as soon as I left university. And I started working with a, a boutique agency just outside London. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really like the fast pace of the industry. Um, it's not something I'd really thought about too much before, but it was exciting. It was new. Um, there was a lot going on. Um, and I also found I could combine it with, you know, my love of writing. So it seemed like the perfect job for me. So I kind of fell into it is the answer to that. You, you became PR manager for Alcatel Lucent in uh, 2001, a massive company at the time and, and grew to be even bigger. What did you learn from your time with the firm? Uh, I think it was a really interesting opportunity um, because I was managing the PR for the whole of Northern Europe. So at that point, I started to learn a lot about how PR works in different countries and different cultures. Um, And I also learned a lot about the technology um, because being in-house in in such a massive company uh, with so many different types of products from you know, consumer phones to submarine networks. Um, it was it was really, really an eye opener for me. Um, and I also worked with a really good team in house. So while I was managing the PR side of things, I worked very closely with um, other colleagues who were managing marketing and internal communications. So I got to learn a lot about those different functions and how they work within mm-hmm. a large enterprise, mm-hmm. which obviously I hadn't had being on the agency side. Um, so that was really interesting for me to see kind of how all of that fitted together mm-hmm. um, and not just be kind of only looking at the PR side. Um, and then at the time, I was also managing agencies in, in, in all the different European countries we worked in. So that was really my first time as, a, as an in-house PR manager. Mm. And it was just the ability to see things from the other side of the fence. Um, and so I got a lot of experience about what's needed from a client point of view. Um, and I think it, it really helped me for when I kind of went agency side again later on in my career. Hmm. Fast forward a few years and you took voluntary redundancy and moved to Spain, which is where you're calling, you're calling from now, which is where we're having the conversation. Uh, what, what factors mm-hmm. led to that decision? Um, it was a combination of a personal and professional decision. Um, because whilst I really enjoyed working at Alcatel, I felt a bit restricted to one role. And when you're working in such a massive corporate organization, you don't really have a lot of say, obviously, in the strategy of the business and how things are run. And I kind of realized at that point that I preferred working in a smaller company. So whether that was an agency or whether in-house, but I, I like to have a lot more to do with kind of the wider business 
mm. rather than just being kind of in a silo and just focused on on the PR mm. or the marketing. Um, and then on the other hand, from a personal point of view, I'd, I'd also lived in Spain for a while um, mm. during my university course, and mm -hmm. I'd always wanted to go back. So when the opportunity came up, I just thought, well, I'm just going to take this now. Um, mm. So when I got to Spain, I set up my own agency um, and I started working very closely with partner agencies in the UK mm -hmm. just through contacts I made there in my previous career. And, you know, I, I just got up and running, started designing strategies, running PR campaigns. Um, so it was a really great way to sort of start to experience what it was like having your own business and, you know, how to run that as well as doing the PR. Mm. At some point in that journey, you became the managing director for Hotwire PR in Spain. What did you take away from your time with the agency? What factors led to that decision? And tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, it was, I look back and just think that was a really fantastic job. It was a great opportunity because um, Hotwire as an agency is, is very well run. Um, and it really, it, I suppose it allowed me to kind of experience the freedom of like both sides um, and, and have, um, you know, setting up and managing my own office and team in Madrid whilst right. also having the backing of the Hotwire head office. So hmm. it was kind of the best of both worlds, really. Um, I'd already had my own business and I'd already worked mm -hmm. in-house. I'd already worked in agency, so it was kind of a combination of everything. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it enabled me to work on some really great brands. Um, so Blackberry, for example, Telefonica. Okay. Um, so I learned a lot really from the, from the experience about running a business um, and especially managing a team and just ensuring that they're, they're like consistently delivering the best results to the customer mm. and, you know, keep people motivated and passionate. And, you know, that, that was, that was challenging, but it was extremely interesting as well. Mm. If I can take you back to that time, what would you say were some of the biggest business challenges that you were dealing with then as an agency and, and how did you help overcome them? Um, well, as I say, I think probably one of the biggest challenges was sort of setting up that business in Spain from scratch. Mm. Uh, and obviously with the backing of the Hotwire head office and the, the wider team. Um, but, you know, it was it was hard because it was a, a very small team to start with. And, you know, a lot of my time was spent preparing proposals, designing campaigns, you know, to go out and win new business. Um, as well as trying to kind of grow the team and manage the team and, you know, also make sure that existing customers were serviced correctly and, you know, they were happy. So I think, you know, that was that was challenging because it was a small business within a larger business. Right. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest challenges when you manage a team of people, especially when you're abroad and you're kind of the foreigner, is hmm. trying to find a way to kind of keep all those cultures together, keep everyone happy and motivated, you know, when people are from very different backgrounds. Um, and I just really found it, you know, it, it was a lesson to me in understanding other cultures, being mm. open about, you know, the differences, not seeing those differences as, as necessarily a better or worse thing, but just a different thing. And, you know, being able to take them on board and, uh, and deal with them. And I think that that was, it was a huge challenge, but it was also a very interesting experience. Hmm. 
Really interesting. You you answered a, another question that I was going to ask you a little bit later on about sort of the cultural differences between uh, the UK and Spain from a from a working perspective. It was interesting that you mentioned that that you were the for, foreigner in in that environment and sort of how you bring those two cultures together. What other perspectives did you develop and have you taken away from your experience, both living and working abroad? in a PR and marketing capacity? Yeah, I think, as I say, it, it helps you to open your eyes to how other countries and cultures do business, um, and particularly in a PR or marketing environment, you know, where it's very fast paced and, you know, you, it's very competitive and you need to be kind of on the cutting edge, particularly in the technology sector. Um, and I think, you know, when you see how people approach that in other countries and cultures sometimes it's it's very different so start to question things that you've always taken for granted so i mean for example in spain people take regional holidays as well as national holidays so um, when i started working in madrid i just couldn't understand why i kept calling this person in barcelona and they weren't there and they were there's nobody in Barcelona on this one day Amazing. and I couldn't understand it and then obviously I realized that you know that it was a regional holiday there right. um, and you know it didn't make sense to me to start with but as you become accustomed to the way that mm. other countries work and mm. their particular traditions um, you just learn to work around it and I think it just helps you to understand the people and just to open your eyes really to other other opinions Mm, I like that idea. We need a regional holiday in the West Midlands. Uh, <laughs> I'll champion that. Yeah, it has its advantages and disadvantages. Certainly. <laughs> right, I'm sure. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Pod Group. You joined Pod Group in, in 2011 as the director of marketing. The company aims to bring the Internet of Things uh, connectivity to the world, as I mentioned, enhancing industry and everyday life alike for years to come. And you joined there when there were really just a handful of people, I think just three people at the time. Talk about how the business has grown over that period of time and, and where are you now in your evolution? Yeah, so uh, Pod Group, as you said, we, we basically provide IoT SIM cards and software um, to the IoT market. So we're in the, the connectivity business. Um, and when I started, um, it was obviously a small company. It was it was a challenge because we were a very small team um, and we were very hands-on and as in any small company everybody has to do a bit of everything so what that meant was that I ended up doing anything but marketing for the first <laughs> few years I was right. working so I did uh, technical support I did sales I did account management hmm. um, you, you name it basically hmm. um, but it did teach me a lot about the business um, and particularly kind of having that direct uh, contact with the customers and understanding their needs and, you know, where their pain points were, that really helped me. Mm. Um, so now the team's grown over to, to over 40 people mm. um, and I'm focused almost entirely on marketing. But I think, you know, looking back on that experience, it just helps you as a marketeer to kind of understand which messages resonate with your audience. Mm. Um, and, you know, the business has grown very very quickly um partly because you know that sector is is booming um and there's a there's a lot of growth happening um in different parts so the connectivity side the software side the platform mm. side mm. um but i think 
because we kind of had that understanding from the beginning of what the customer's needs are and you know we we started to build solutions to kind of specifically address those needs um, i think that's why the company's grown so quickly um, and i think we're still a very customer-centric business um, i think you know in in iot what customers look for because there are so many different sectors that you can service so you know we're our solutions are used in healthcare uh, retail manufacturing mm. energy and environment tracking you know every every sector you can think of um, but what those customers want really in a in a connectivity provider is somebody that really understands their business mm. um, and you know their specific problems and each sector has its own problems so um, I think it's our experience to, that you know has put us in good stead really to to help customers resolve those and that's what customers say I mean we do a regular customer survey and you know they always say what they really appreciate is the understanding of their business and the kind of personalized support and consultancy that they get that they wouldn't get by going say to a to an operator hmm. it's super interesting so I'm going to ask you a really tough question now based on sort of what you said it might be hard to answer it quickly but what what are the main problems that you solve for your clients and that might be challenging considering that your clients are in every industry uh in, in yeah. every sector <laughs> but but what are the yeah. how, how would you characterize what the main challenges are that your clients have and how do you help solve them um as you say i mean it's very dependent on on the sector um so, but I mean, the, the thing that I think helps us to understand their problems is that we work with them from the very early stages of when they're developing their IoT applications. So even before they've designed it, you know, we, we start to work with them and provide them with consultancy and testing services to identify any problems. And um, because there's so many kind of components to an IoT solution, there's the connectivity, there's the hardware, there's the software, there's the platform side, you know, all of those have to come together and work together well in order for the solution to, to work. So um, at that stage, we can work with them to identify any problems and just make sure that they're using the right combination of connectivity, hardware and software, for mm. example. And mm. then as kind of as they develop that solution, then we help them to scale. So we provide them with the platform mm. um, to enable them to manage their connectivity. Um, we provide them with the global coverage to enable them to kind of quickly move into new markets and get their product to market because um, it's such a competitive environment for them. But really, that speed to market is is very important. Mm. Uh, so I think that you know, whilst it's it's difficult to kind of list different um, problems, because we work closely with them in their sector, we understand what their challenges are, mm. um, and we also have an in-house um, research and development team who are. They're constantly researching new ways of, of resolving the challenges. Um, so working on the SIM card to make sure that they incorporate the right technology to enable the customer to resolve challenges in the field. So, I mean, I think I think that's quite unique in the industry. Um, and I think that's why our customers stay with us. Hmm. Now, there seemed to be a lot of buzz about IoT a few years ago, and people got really very excited about the possibilities in the applications. Uh, that it could bring, but somehow uh, I'm just thinking about you know your fridge talking to your vacuum cleaner that can <laughs> talk to your lights light switch. Uh, <laughs> but so, but somehow that sort of mass adoption of IoT hasn't yet been realised. 
Is that a fair assessment and, and sort of what more can be done? Yes, I think it is. I mean, there are still barriers to adoption um, and we, we recognise that. The market is still very fragmented. Um, and so the solutions that we provide help to address that kind of fragmentation and those silos that exist. Um, so, for example, one of the biggest issues with um, the uptake of IoT is that Enterprises need to have the right strategy and resources internally to manage that whole process. And quite often um, they don't have that. It, it, it means a massive change within the structure of the organization and the resources that organization has and the experience they have to actually roll out an IoT project. So um, the other thing is that there are really big concerns around security still um, and enterprises want to work with one provider that can help them to kind of navigate all these different areas. Um, so that's why we've, we've really focused our offering much more on just being an IoT SIM card provider. Mm. Um, we, we've added a lot of additional value-added services to our offering that help the enterprises to, to scale globally. So we've added security, for example, and we provide um, a security solution that enables them to monitor their network constantly and mm. see threats coming in. Um, we've added billing to our offering, which is really important because, you know, everyone talks about recurring revenue in the IoT sector and how that's kind of, you know, the ultimate aim. Um, but it's very difficult to capture that if you don't have the right billing system in place. Hmm. Um, and because we, we um, you know, naturally as a, as a telecoms uh, service provider have a billing system which is based on subscriptions, um, and that enables us to to bill recurring revenue. We've um, developed that for our customers as well, um, so that that helps them to kind of adapt their organisation um, and to to bring in that recurring revenue that they're looking for. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say we re that we also um, it's quite interesting. We sponsored a research report with um, Beach and Research recently hmm. um, about why IoT projects fail, um, and. And I think what came out of that is that a lot of the reasons were around the lack of knowledge and experience inside the business. So I think what's needed is for, you know, companies with that experience to come in and provide consultancy and actually help those enterprises to manage the whole process. Hmm. Super interesting. How excited are you about the launch of 5G? Because we've been hearing a lot recently about 5G being really a game changer as far as IoT is concerned, the uh, number of devices being able to connect to the internet and sort of speak to each other seamlessly uh, is really sort of exciting people about the possibilities yet again. How excited are you about 5G and what impact will it have on the industry? Yeah, I think it, it, we need to be careful because there is a lot of hype around 5G and I think we're quite a long way from seeing adoption of 5G across the industry because it's not widely available at the moment. So particularly for kind of an IoT uh, type application where it might be remote, it might be um, moving across borders and roaming, um, that the, the 5G infrastructure is not really there at the moment to, to take advantage of that. But I do think that when it does come, um, it's going to enable some really interesting applications, particularly, for example, healthcare. You know, you think about um, you know remote patient monitoring, and particularly in the in the current situation, you know that's really important. 
um, 5G with the low latency that it's going to have is going to enable those types of applications. And um, that's going to be huge. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, one area that we're very involved in right now is, is private LTE networks and how they can help enterprises kind of almost achieve those 5G latencies and, and the security on, a, on an LTE network. And I think that those types of technologies are going to see a massive uptake over the next few years hmm. as we move towards 5G. Let's talk a little bit about agencies and working with them. Um, uh, talk a little bit about some of the biggest business challenges you have at the moment at Pod Group. Which, what sort of agencies are you working with to help you over, overcome them? And talk about the mixture of agencies that you're working with. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, we we have a, an in-house team in Pod Group, um, so we do we do a fair amount of the marketing in-house. Um, so we have um, you know graphic designers, um, we have uh, events manager, we have um, you know marketing managers to to, to manage the campaigns. Um, but we te we tend to work with agencies more, um, certainly from a PR perspective. Uh, we're working with an agency there. Um, we work with agencies on the SEO side. Um, and on the web development side, <clears throat> and uh, so you know those are the those are the areas where we see agencies as providing value because they have the specific expertise in those areas, and they also have you know the additional resources that perhaps we don't have in house to allow us to kind of be more creative um, and uh, increase our our impact in those different areas. Hmm. Selecting an agency partner is probably one of the most important decisions that any CMO can make. And it's very easy to pick up the phone on the spot and hire a new agency. It's much more difficult to find an ideal partner to reshape your approach to marketing and the way that you think about the business to propel the business forward. What's the best way of finding, choosing and, and appointing agencies? Um, so I think the way that I've worked with agencies um, throughout my career is is really through recommendations so working with people I know in the industry and a lot of my contact with agencies has been through uh, ex-colleagues or clients which I think just helps you to understand how that agency works you know and and to know that they're kind of aligned with what you want to achieve um, so I think the, the recommendations are, are really important and I think it's just important to understand the the strategy of the agency and, and make sure that that's aligned with um, your own marketing strategy. And from a, from the point of view of, I, I hear what you're saying around sort of working with agencies that you already have an existing relationship with or that have been referred into you. That makes a huge amount of sense. If there was a really hot agency that knew that they could deliver a, a lot of great value for you, but they weren't on your radar, what what's the best way for them to get on your radar? Uh, add some value to you and start working with you potentially? Yeah, I think for us, I mean, because we are in quite a niche sector um, and IoT is something that, you know, not not everybody really understands or knows how it works um, and knows kind of what the pain points are for companies in our sector. I think that the fact that the agency understands that and really knows a lot about the sector and is able to kind of make their campaigns and their their strategy relevant to to our sector. For me, that's really important. So mm. I think if, if an agency was looking to get on my radar, um, that knowledge of the industry would be something I would look for. 
Um, and then it also kind of the ability to know how to to prove um, the return on investment, because mm. I think a lot of the time, you know, agencies need to understand that where the CMO is um, is being being measured is on the the return on investment on the campaigns, and it's it's very difficult to to measure PR, which is why um, I think agencies who come up with creative and imaginative ways of, of showing how uh, that that ROI is being achieved and and you know work that into their reporting mm. are the ones who are going to have the most success when they come to pitching into to clients mm. really interesting what are the most important factors or capabilities or even characteristics uh, of ideal agencies that you look to work with and onboard um, yeah talk a little bit about that um, I think creativity is, is really important um, because, you know, when you're working as a CMO, you don't have a lot of time to sit and be creative as much as you'd like to be. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to find that time to, to really sit and brainstorm with the team and come up with creative ideas and things that are really going to make you stand out. So I think for me, that's one of the main things I look for in an agency is to have a team that's there ready to brainstorm, ready to come up with new and exciting ideas and and take those out. And that's why that kind of knowledge of the industry is also really important. Mm. So so if it came down to, uh, let's say, two or three agencies that you'd shortlisted, you'd, you'd done your homework, you'd gone through maybe a couple of rounds of uh, of interviews and, and, and pitches, and it's come down to the last two or three, what, what tends to make the difference over the winning agency and the other other two not successful ones in your mind? I think it's it's the ability to understand what resonates with our target audience. Mm. Um, so a lot of agencies, you know, when you go through the selection process, they're, they're keen to show you what they can do for you um, as, a, as an in-house marketing director or CMO, you know, but they don't think beyond that to what you're trying to achieve. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of the time, um, the campaigns, they need to be obviously creative and they need to stand out, but they need to resonate with your target audience. And unless the agency really understands that, um, they're not going to be successful. Mm. So that's what we look for. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about giving feedback, because this is a a big bear for, um, a bugbear for a a number of agencies um, that I speak to. Clients have very different communication styles. If they're unhappy with some things, some clients tell the agency straight away. Other clients stay silent, giving the agency a sneaking suspicion that something may be wrong, but they don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most agencies would like to know quite early on so they can do something about it. What's your approach to communicating something you're unhappy with? I think uh, definitely the upfront approach is, is the best. Um, so if there's something that's not working, the agency need to know it straight away. Mm. Um, and I think where I would measure an agency is not so much on you know, what they were doing, but their ability to adapt to um, the situation or you know, their ability to, to respond to that type of feedback. So if an agency is going in the wrong direction, it might be due to the client brief and not necessarily because the agency didn't doesn't understand the sector. Mm. Um, but I think if you give that feedback directly to an agency, 
I would then watch very carefully as to what the response was and and how the agency you know dealt with that and I think that to me is what makes the difference between a good agency and a bad agency. Mm, really interesting and then from the point of view let's say we've gone through the the selection process and you've chosen the winning agency how, how do you make sure that everyone's expectations are aligned so that you you can both get the result that you're looking for? I think um, it's really important to be clear about your goals from the outset. So I think that's where a lot of um, companies fall down, you know, because they don't really clearly um, express what they want to achieve um, at, at, at the end of the, the campaign or mm. you know, at, through the relationship. So I think it's really, really important to kind of put those goals out there very early on so the agency understands what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, measurement is another part that's just really important because, as I say, it's very difficult in-house to justify why you're spending that budget um, unless you have those very clear goals from the outset and you're able to measure them and show how you're achieving them. So I think I think that's really the way that I would start. and I And then I would make sure that you know, those measurements are happening on a regular basis. So you're measuring against certain KPIs every so often. Mm. So that obviously from a from a client point of view, then you can go back and justify why you're spending that budget. And from an agency point of view, again, you can justify the types of activities that you're doing. And then f- uh, just talking about performance reviews then, it's we know that it's important to conduct effective performance reviews so both the client and agency can get feedback on how to improve the relationship. But how often should we do them? What's the best way that you've seen them done? Um, yeah, if we can talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it very much depends on on the agency and the and the client. I think um, it needs to be very clearly set out from the outset when you're going to have those performance reviews and how you're going to run them. Um, I mean, from my point of view, I wouldn't say kind of doing a, a formal review um, every quarter is is necessarily a way to make sure that you know the agency is aligned and, and performs better. I think it's it's better in a way to have continual communication throughout the campaign and just make sure that you know your weekly calls are set up. Um, you know, it, with each campaign, what your objectives are. You know, you've got those measurements in place. You're constantly measuring that mm. campaign or you know that uh, relationship as it goes forward, rather than having you know a, a time set in stone to say right now we're going to have a performance review hmm. um, and I think you know it's, it's kind of a fluid relationship and you need to have that feedback from the agency and then you need to give feedback in a clear way in order to for everybody to be aligned. Hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about communicating the value of marketing and PR in an organization that may not get it if they are uh techies, which I'm sure a lot of the people within uh, pod group are, you said in the pre-interview that one of your biggest challenges today has been trying to convince techies about the importance of PR and marketing. How do you do that? Yeah, I I think because of the way that, um, you know, the the technical teams work, they're often very skeptical about PR uh, and marketing and, you know, what value that actually brings. Um, And 
I think it's the best way is really just to get them very directly involved mm -hmm. um, so they can see the benefits because, you know, from the outside, people say, well, you know, why are you spending all this budget on, you know, going out there and doing this campaign when, you know, we, we need to invest in product development. Mm. And you can see, you know, the reasoning behind that. But I think, um, I mean, one of the things that we did in, in Pod Group was um, we worked very closely with, uh, with then CEO, now chairman, um, to build his profile within the media. Hmm. Um, and, you know, to start with, I mean, he hadn't really worked with PR agencies before, or he was a bit skeptical about what we could achieve. But once he started to see how that profile building was having an impact and, you know, how the, the credibility of the company was being improved drastically by, you know, that activity, he really got on board with it. Mm. Um, and then part of that uh, profile building was, was um, uh, he wrote a book um, about, uh, well, originally it was meant to be a book about the IoT, but mm. in fact, he ended up writing a book about something he was extremely passionate about, which was um, more about how organizations can prepare themselves for AI and the, you know, the effects of automation and what they need to do in order to change the way that they work. And, um, and that's what the book ended up being about. And I think, although it wasn't what we originally planned, it actually worked a lot better because he was, he's so passionate about that topic mm. that he came across, you know, in all the interviews that he did. Right. He got a lot of interest in that, sure. which then impacted, you know, the credibility of the company. Makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Amy, let's get into the uh, final part of the interview now. These are our more fun, light-hearted light questions. It's our, our quick-fire round, our speed round, if you like. So I'll fire some questions at you, and if you can fire some short, short answers back, that would be okay. fantastic. Um, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 epidemic um, right now, and we're seeing a lot of brands who are seen to be quite opportunistic and taking advantage of the situation. And there are some brands that are handling it really subtly and, and well. What's the best way, in your opinion, that brands should be thinking about inserting themselves into the conversation at the moment? I think, you know, it is a very sensitive topic. Um, and I think brands have got to be quite careful about how they communicate around it. Um, uh, I think really, the, the best way to communicate is is to talk about the solutions um, and to talk about you know how in, in our case for example in IoT it's it's quite easy to see the link because you know everybody's working remotely um, you know everybody realizes now the importance of remote working and the need for people to to be able to carry on working even when a situation like this is unprecedented, but it, it, it can happen. Um, so I think, you know, focusing on those solutions rather than, you know, directly going out and trying to sell off the back of, you know, the, the, the whole situation, which is kind of a bit in bad taste, yeah. um, is, is probably the best way to approach it. And, you know, I think we've seen you know, among our customers, um, obviously, I, I mentioned, you know, they, they, they span a lot of different sectors. But, you know, there are certain sectors that, that obviously are, they are booming because because of this situation, like healthcare, for example, remote healthcare, you know, it's really brought to the fore the importance of that type of technology. So, um, I, as I say, I think, I think it's, you know, you have to just be a little bit careful about how you promote it from a mm -hmm. marketing point of view. 
I, I did say that these were going to be lighter hearted, fun questions. And that was actually quite a tough question. So <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Okay, I'm looking forward to the lighter hearted. <laughs> Here we go. Let's, let's try this one. What do you do to keep mentally and physically fit at the moment? Wow, that's a difficult one. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> I thought these were going to be fun. <laughs> um, I, it's difficult because actually I was talking to a colleague the other day and we were saying when you work from home, you know, you, you expect that you maybe you wouldn't work as much because there's a lot of distractions going on. And I have two children as well and they're doing schoolwork from home. So, you know, that you'd expect that's quite distracting. But actually you end up spending so much of your time in yeah. front of the computer. And right. because there's no kind of break there to say, right, now I've got to go and pick the kids up from school or I've got to go and do something else, you know, that you, you just continue and continue and continue. And you can be quite, um, it, it can be quite damaging, I think, mm. you know, to be sitting so long and, and in front of a computer. So what I have tried to do is just, you know, make sure that um, there are certain points in the day where I say, right, I you know, I really need to leave this now and just take five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it might be, and just detach myself from, from the computer. Because otherwise I think you can get really saturated. Um, and it's difficult. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I do have a garden, I can go outside. Mm. Um, but people who, who are in the city and maybe don't, can't get outside, you know, it's really difficult to, you know, get the exercise or, mm. you know, just get that break that you need um, to enable you to, to work more effectively. Mm. Okay, third time lucky. I'm going to try a fun question now. <laughs> a light-hearted okay, one. Let's see if this <laughs> If you weren't doing your current job uh, as CMO for Pod Group or in marketing, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a very... Uh, Is that better? A difficult question. <laughs> Damn it. I'm not doing very well here. Um, I think... I, I mean, I really enjoy my job believe it or not I you know it's something that um really motivates me and inspires me and I think I would be doing something similar um maybe in the same sector maybe in a different sector but I think what really kind of motivates me is being involved in the running of a business whatever that business might be and I think that kind of throughout my career because I've worked in different sizes of companies you know I've I've found my my niche, if you like, and that's kind of working in a smaller to medium-sized business and helping that to grow. And that's the thing that really kind of inspires me. So I think if I wasn't with Pod Group, I'd probably be with a, a similar organization, you know, helping to build the strategy and helping that company to grow. Mm. And, and my final question, Amy, uh, what's the single biggest thing that you have yet to achieve that you would like to achieve in your career? Wow. <laughs> None of these have been fun or easy. Fun. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to gosh, work on these. There are so many things, to be honest. Um, I, As I say, I mean, I'd, I'd really love to be able to... I, I think what really interested me in my career was also having my own business. Mm. Um, and I think that taught me a lot. And although it was very challenging and, you know, it's it's a little bit frightening at times because you know you feel you're on your own and you yeah. know, you're responsible for absolutely everything but at the same time it's incredibly rewarding so I mean although I've done that for a period of, of my career at some point I think I would like to to go mm. back to that and and 
you know, build a business and take it forward. And, you know, that's something that, you know, maybe I, I will achieve at some point. Mm. Great place to end. Amy Garcia is the CMO of Pod Group. Amy, thank you so much for being on ClientSide. Thank you, Nathan. I enjoyed it. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of ClientSide, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear on the show, please email millie at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Millie Bell and Natasha Rosich, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to ClientSide from Fox Agency. Join us next time on ClientSide, brought to you by Fox Agency.